Hello, it's episode 356 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today's a really exciting episode, and I hope it becomes one of our most popular. I'm sure you have friends that could also benefit from this information, so feel free to share it with them. Today, we're talking about functional blood chemistry, and you might be like, functional blood chemistry, what a that why does that even, how would that even make a difference for me? Well, in episode 326, way, way back in August, I had my friend uh, Michael Rutherford on the show and we were talking about thyroid test results and what they actually mean. And he and I recorded that episode probably May of that year. And after the episode, I was like, bro, I need to learn what you do. This is fantastic. What is it that you do? And he said, I do functional blood chemistry. And that started off a year now of work in this space. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to it. Again, that was episode 326. And so functional blood chemistry is the art of looking for imbalances within regular blood labs. And I say art because it really does get quite complicated. And it's impossible that in this short episode, you're going to know everything. I've been studying this now for a year, pretty solid, and I'm still uncovering things and patterns and I think the beauty that really locked me into this work is that not one marker tells us or gives us a good indication of what's going on. There are multiple layered patterns um, that tell us what could be going on with your body. And if you are the type of person that's dealt with health issues and you go to your doctor and the doctor pulls basic labs and they look at your labs and they're like, yep, everything looks fine. You're good. And you're like, I'm so very far from good. That was really my experience over the last 15 years of looking at my health and trying to better things. And I'd go into doctors and they'd say, everything looks fine. And this is part of aging. And I'm like, no, there's actually something wrong with me. It wasn't until December of 2020 that I randomly did a GI map test with a dietitian, And she said, you have a parasite. And I was like, a para what? What? And this really fueled my interest in figuring out, okay, well, well, if I could have a parasite, what else could my labs not be picking up on? And then that's when I was introduced to functional blood chemistry, where it looks at very, very tight ranges of your personal blood chemistry to determine where your imbalances are. Now, I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but when you're looking at your blood chemistry and just your overall ranges, the standard ranges are meant for sick people. So the problem with using just those standard ranges is by the time you're out of that range, there is something seriously wrong with what's going on functionally in your body. Now, I have seen many times in my practice that a client will go to their medical professional and their glucose maybe will be at 95 and then 105 and then 120 and 150 and every year it will be increasing. General medicine will not say, hey, we're seeing this increase every year. Maybe you should do something. They will literally wait until it's around 180 to 200 where they say, you probably are getting prediabetes. You probably want to do something. By that time, this person has had 5, 10 years of increasing glucose, 5, 10 years of metabolic syndrome. And so when I was introduced to functional blood chemistry, I was like, wait, what? 
We can look at these patterns well, well, well in advance so we can understand what's going on with the body and adjust things functionally. So what we do is we tighten up the range and we look at things in a pattern. For example, low hydrochloric acid. Could you find out that on a lab? Yeah, there's actually a pattern for hypochlorhydria, which is what it's called. And we look for a low albumin with a low protein, a low elk phos with low calcium, a low chloride will be there generally also. Uh, low phosphorus is generally there also, and bilirubin might also be low. So that's just an example of some of the markers that contribute or kind of paint that picture of low stomach acid. And so all these markers kind of feed on one another. And I like to think of it like tuning into a song that a body is playing. So I started incorporating this functional blood chemistry practice into my one-on-one consults with my clients around July 2021. And wow, what a difference it makes. Instead of going from symptom to symptom and goal to goal and trying to unpack things for my clients without having much detail or having to spend 400 plus dollars on functional tests to get answers, you can spend $60 on a blood test and get some really, really good, valuable information. So today I wanted to kind of go through the basics of, well, we've done that quite a little bit already, the basics of blood chemistry, what to ask for with your blood, how to run these things, and then what to look for. So this is probably going to be a two-part series. Uh, This is part one for episode 356, and then we'll do a part two in episode 360. So if you love, love, love today's episode, you definitely want to mark your calendars for episode 360. That'll be coming out March 15th. So in about a month from now, or exactly a month from now, so mark your calendar and we will come out with part number two. So let's do the standard intro because we haven't even done that yet. And I'll meet you right back here to chat about your blood chemistry. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel. You're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've created a free guide with tips on how to start keto and maintain your fat-fueled life. Grab it at healthfulpursuit.com slash free as a little thank you for listening to the show. Okay, welcome back. So we are going to be going through a document together. Now I put together this document for you, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash labs to download it. And it will give you a one page document that shows you how to prepare for your labs, and which ones to request. And so we're going to be going through some of these um, today. And I'll be explaining some of the patterns. And then again, in episode 360, we'll go through more of these. And I'll explain what they are. So again, that's healthfulpursuit.com slash labs. If you're unsure of how to go there or how to spell helpful or healthful or which one is it, don't worry about it. Just go to the show notes. Wherever you're listening to this, click on the show notes and the link will be right there and you can follow along. So let's start off first with the iron panel. Now, (laughs) the issue with the iron panel and 
oh my goodness, I have had this issue myself. I went to see this dietitian that was working with me on parasites. We did a one month parasite cleanse. My symptoms got better and then they got far worse. At the very same time, she noticed that my ferritin was low. She said that low ferritin equals low iron and she put me on iron supplements. I come to find out that ferritin is not necessarily the best or only or the only one to go off of iron marker if you're going to supplement with actual iron. The problem with supplementing with actual iron when you don't need it is it can cause quite a lot of inflammation. And in the case of dealing with parasites, iron and ferritin are parasite foods. So if you are trying to kill off parasites at the same time as chowing down on iron supplements, it's not going to be a good look for you. So highly recommend you not do this. I did it didn't work out that well. So a lot of the times when we go to our standard medical professional, they will run ferritin. And if the ferritin is low, they'll give us iron. And if it's high, they'll tell us that we're high in iron. But there's actually a couple more markers and I included them in the download uh, that you can access. Uh, Some of those include TIBC and UIBC. And so TIBC and UIBC, when they're super low, okay, it can mean iron overload. When they're really high, it can mean an iron need. And so that's a really good indication of what's actually going on with your iron as opposed to using ferritin. Another really great marker, and you can just, if you are following along this audio with labs you already have, and you have a iron marker, and I believe it's a TIBC marker, you can go on the internet and type in transferrin saturation calculator. And it will ask you for your serum iron concentration and your total iron binding capacity. That's your TIBC. So if you put in those two numbers, it's going to kick out your iron saturation. And this is probably the best marker for figuring out uh, if you either need iron or you're in excess of iron. And you'd actually be pretty surprised how many people have too much iron. So once you've determined, you know, you've looked at this whole panel, I think the really big piece with iron to really drive home is that it's not just one marker that determines whether or not you need iron. Iron saturation and TIBC are the most consistent markers for iron status. Whether the body will be receptive to iron, that's another big piece. Just because you're supplementing with iron doesn't mean the body A, wants it, or B, will know what to do with it. And so looking at that panel overall is really important. And understanding that iron itself, the iron serum marker, is kind of not the best marker to determine what to do overall. It fluctuates so, so, so much. So it's definitely not the one that I like to use for determining whether somebody wants iron, though it can be a really, really, really good marker for determining whether or not uh, somebody has inflammation or a need for B12. And so if your iron is skyrocketed and you know that you thrive on more B12 or you haven't supplemented with B12, that can be a good indication in addition to a bunch of other markers in the B12 pattern, which we might get to today. I just don't want to overwhelm you with all the patterns because it can get quite complicated. 
Now, in the beginning, we did talk about patterns. You know, I shared with you uh, the low stomach acid pattern. And you might be like, what do you mean by that? So like I said previously, what can happen here is that one marker doesn't equal one thing. So with this perfect example, we just covered that ferritin alone is not a good indicator for iron status. Now, if your ferritin is below 17, generally that's a good opportunity or a need for iron. But I like to pull more than just one marker to determine what's going on with something. So when you look at that example with iron, just looking at ferritin doesn't give us a good indication. But if you look at iron and UIBC, and TIBC and iron saturation, which can be calculated, just Google it, iron saturation calculator. And then that gives us a good picture. Now that is a pattern of itself. So for example, if you have high iron saturation and low TIBC and low UIBC with high iron, and perhaps regular ferritin or low ferritin, the ferritin won't really play a role in this pattern. That is a good indication that you have excess iron. Okay. So to just run one item and be like, yep, I got too much iron or nope, I don't is not the best indicator. Okay. So I hope that makes sense. We're starting really basic here. Another really awesome little thing, it's a nice little trick since we just talked about B12. So remember how I was saying that if your iron's super high, like above 110, it could mean that B12 is needed. A couple of markers that will also be really good for determining whether or not you need B12 is MCV, MCH, MCHC, and perhaps your doctor has also ran, probably not because this is like a specialty marker, but maybe your MMA and maybe also your homocysteine. So a really, really simple pattern that's really easy to see that I'll share with you is high iron with high MCV, high MCH, high MCHC with high MMA and high homocysteine. So all of those things are high. That generally has been shown to reflect a need for B12. Keto flu, impossible fasting symptoms that stop you mid-fast, cravings at any hour of the day, or feeling off after a sweaty workout, these are some of the signs that you're low in electrolytes. When I first started keto, I made all of the mistakes. One of the biggest ones was not supplementing with electrolytes. And still, seven years into keto, I often forget how essential electrolytes are. Honestly, it's easy to forget to take electrolytes because, well, a lot of them don't taste very good or work very well. Enter Element, the most delicious, well-balanced electrolyte powder I've personally tried, like ever. Add to water and enjoy any time of day. These electrolytes are salty, as they should be, quenching your thirst and hitting the spot. And the best part, when you head to drinklmnt.com slash KDP, you'll receive a free Element sample pack. You only pay $5 for shipping. The sample pack includes eight packets of Element that includes two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored. Go to drinklmnt.com 
forward slash KDP for your free sample pack. I love Element and I really think you're going to too. Again, that's drinkelement.com forward slash KDP to get your free sample pack. And if you don't love it, they will refund your $5. No questions asked. So then we get into, okay, what kind of B12? I think that there's this, well, I know that there's this huge issue with absolutely everyone feeling like they need a methylated vitamin, a methylated B12 specifically, I guess, I mean. And so the issue with this is that not everyone actually responds well to a methylated B12. In fact, I would say probably 70% of my clients uh, will be on a methylated B vitamin, like a methylated B complex, and will run their labs and will look at their MCV, MCH, MCHC, their homocysteine. And generally, they will not be responding well to their methylated B complex. So one of my favorite uh, B 12 specifically is from Biotics Research. It's called B12-2000. It has, I believe, a mixture of hydroxyl and adenosyl cobalamin, which can be more helpful for getting the B12 pattern um, better. So it's a lozenge. You put it under your tongue. It dissolves in like 15 to 30 minutes and then um, helps with your B12. So then we go to your white blood cells, which is pretty complicated. <laughs> but a really fun pattern that I love in all of this, because you guys, I mean, these markers can show us so much about what's going on with our immune system, whether it be a chronic bacterial, chronic fungal, we have chronic viral, uh, just an infection of some kind, immune system struggling, immune deficiency, autoimmune patterns, acute bacterial patterns, acute fungal patterns, uh, what else is in here. Parasites, which we're going to talk about in a second. Overall pathogen load. This specific CBC with differential can also show us infections. Um, if somebody struggles with mast cell activation, patterns that have been shown to reflect asthma, upper respiratory issues, environmental allergies, also patterns that have been shown to reflect uh, toxin buckets being too full, uh, liver dysfunction. I mean, <laughs> the CBC with different differential is so incredibly loaded. And I think what's really cool about this is I remember when I got one of my first labs as an adult, perhaps I was, I don't know, 23 or 24. And there was a CBC with differential on there. And I got really scared because I thought that the only thing that this was being used for was to diagnose cancer. And it scared me. And I've always been pretty scared of the CBC with differential, <laughs> even just the CBC overall. It's terrifying. But through learning functional blood chemistry, I've learned just how incredibly packed that like it's probably my most favorite part of functional blood chemistry because it can tell us so much and it can also point to biofilms. So two things I want to cover with you with white blood cells because these are two pretty simple patterns that are really easy to share. So monocytes, these are a form of white blood cell that really don't do well hiding behind biofilms. So what is a biofilm? It's, I like to think of it like a glass room where bugs and critters live behind. Now this glass room is used so that the body can't determine what's behind it. And so the body doesn't react to it because it doesn't know what's behind it. 
And so monocytes do a really poor job of hiding behind these biofilms. You can just see them. So if your monocytes are above 6%, there is something going on. There's something active and current, whether it be an infection, inflammation, allergies, parasites, viral infections. Uh, this red flag marker has been shown to reflect these imbalances. Now, if it gets into the double digits, we're thinking more chronic stress. Uh, it's been shown to reflect autoimmune. But monocytes do a really bad job of hiding behind those biofilms. Now, with biofilms, here's a great example. Do you know when you wake up in the morning and your teeth have like a slimy coating on them and you just cannot wait to brush your teeth? That's a bio film. And something I've discovered, this is just like totally an aside, but has to do with biofilms. I personally have a mouth that it builds up plaque so incredibly quickly. Like I can go for a cleaning and a week later, all that stuff that they've picked away from my teeth is right back there. So I've learned that bacteria in our mouths will create those biofilms. Plaque is a form of biofilm because there's just so much bacteria in our mouth. So I started going in for quarterly ozone treatments and oh my goodness, what a difference. Ozone will treat that bacteria and lower the bacteria count in your mouth, as will a product called Dental Sidon. I'm gonna include a link. Uh, if you're like, oh my gosh, that's me, that's me. I didn't even know I could do anything about this. My de dentist hasn't told me. <laughs> I gotcha. So I'm going to include a link to Dental Sidon. In fact, I'm going to include a link to my Fullscript where you can get a discount on the Dental Sidon. So once you log into Fullscript, you'll be able to just search for Dental Sidon and uh, load up your cart there with the Dental Sidon. Uh, Fullscript there, we get 20% off. So when you sign up through my link, you get 20% off your supplements and Dental Sidon is on there and it has been such a game changer. Dental Sidon has a serum called Biocidin, which is an amazing biofilm buster. It is one of my favorites. And so this can help bust through those biofilms in your mouth and can also help bust through biofilms so that we can see more of what's going on in your white blood cells. So when you see monocytes elevated, we know that there's something current active going on. Another really fun pattern that I like to see, I mean, I don't like to see it, but when I see it, I get quite giddy, is the, the parasite pattern. And so when we see the certain red flag markers being elevated, we start to think, and that has been shown to reflect a parasitic imbalance. Not always will this mean parasites. If you currently deal with environmental allergies, or asthma, it could actually be pointing to that. But for those people who do not deal with these things, it can be a good indication that there's likely a parasitic imbalance there. So what to look for? We look for asonophils generally between 5 to 10%, okay, with neutrophils and lymphocytes being normal. And sometimes basophils will be elevated and monocytes will be elevated too. So the minute that I see those asonophils being over five, I'm like, oh, we get to do parasite work. So if you are looking at your current labs right now <laughs> and you're like, oh no, I definitely have that pattern. <laughs> there are a couple of resources that I can point you to. 
Uh, one is episode 285 of the podcast where I talk with Dr. Jessica Petros about parasites, heavy metals, viruses, and mold. At that time of recording, I had no idea what she was talking about. And I thought she was a little bit cuckoo. <laughs> like, How even like, how is it that people can have parasites? I really didn't think this was a thing until I got a parasite. And then what did I do? The minute I understood some of these patterns, I went back through my labs, guys, from 2020 back through to 2009. And I was looking at every lab and sure enough, there it was. There it was all the way back to 2011. I saw the parasitic pattern. And that just grosses me out that that guy, that little parasite dude had been with me for 10 years. <laughs> so that's a really good resource. And then if you're seeing some of these patterns that I'm sharing, and this is just so incredibly overwhelming and you just need help, I would love to help. It's one of my most favorite things is this pattern. So you can just reach out to me by going to healthfulpursuit.com contact. Or if you go to healthfulpursuit.com and click on the shop, scroll down to the very bottom and you'll see some information about my coaching. I've just about completed the FDN functional diagnostic nutrition course. <laughs> Many of you have been asking me whether or not getting into functional health and running a functional health business is worth the effort. When I started studying nutrition back in 2007, I had zero interest in making it a full-time job. I just wanted to learn about health so I could help myself. Three paperback books, 21 plus digital programs, and over 400 podcast episodes later, I was like super mistaken. <laughs> Looking back, I wish I'd chosen my first program wisely. When I graduated from CSNN in 2008, I did not feel equipped to work with clients. I hear this about many programs out there today. They're super rich in knowledge, but really poor in delivering the resources and tools that students need to develop a thriving business. I only wish FDN would have been my introduction to the functional health world. Functional Diagnostic Nutrition sets up their graduates for success and gives them the ability to build their own thriving full-time practice after certification. Going through the course material as somebody who has been actively involved in the field of nutrition for over 14 years, with a lot of struggle there in the beginning to figure out how to actually like help my clients, I quickly realized that FDN graduates do not face this same struggle. Plus, you get to be your own first client. With five lab screenings included in the cost of your tuition and over 12 hours of one-on-one -on -one mentorship, you will learn to walk the talk as a practitioner so you can improve your own health while in turn learning how to help others. And that's really where the gold is. FDN thoroughly delivers a program that gets somebody who is brand new to nutrition up and going with confidence. Oh, I wish I'd found this program when I first started. If you're looking to get into the field, set up your own business with success and turn your love of nutrition into a full-time job of helping others, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash FDN. That's healthfulpursuit.com slash FDN for more information. And as always, the links will be in the show notes. Now, I've completely fallen in love with this functional blood chemistry that I am working on this year on putting together a bigger program, you know, going through every marker, what it's been shown to reflect, and then coming up with little protocols that you guys can follow. So that is coming. But if you need help in the interim, uh, definitely get on the list there with my coaching and I will reach out to you. So 
I think that does it for today's episode. Uh, next episode, I want to go through uh, some more markers, but definitely um, my suggestion for you would be to go to healthfulpursuit.com slash labs. Get that download because not only does it include all the labs to request from your doctor, but it also gives you a list of how to prepare for the labs. And I think we're going to end off today's episode, me talking about the benefits of preparing for labs properly. So you remember at the beginning of today's episode, we were talking about um, how it's really, really important to understand that functional blood chemistry has tight, tight ranges, whereas general medicine will have those big, broad ranges. So by the time you get out of their range, that's like a big range. And these ranges are based on sick people, the sickest of the sick that are going in for labs. And so we want to tighten up those ranges and we're looking for small little shifts in your blood labs. We're not looking for these big ginormous things. We're not looking for diagnostic tools. This is not a diagnostic tool whatsoever. So how we prepare for the test is going to be really, really important. Some of the biggest ones, like the biggest, if you take anything away from this section of today's episode, I really, really want you to hear to not take biotin five days prior to your blood labs, especially if you're working with your doctor on regulating your thyroid. So biotin is used as a preservative in many of the vials that you'll go to get your blood taken, you know, when they have those little vials and they have that solution at the bottom, biotin is used. So when they put your blood in there and they're spinning it around and then they go to test it, they remove, they like subtract the amount of biotin that they put in there. So if there's actually more biotin than what's in the actual vial, it can really throw off your markers and specifically your thyroid markers. So if you're working with a doctor and they're sending you in for labs, they probably, I had never heard of this guys. And I had had a thyroid issue for over 10 years years going in for labs every two to three months and no one ever told me to stop biotin like ever. So it's really, 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 really important that you stop your biotin five days prior. If your doctor has put you on biotin, please chat with them before you stop the biotin. But if you're just like taking biotin because you want healthy hair, I've actually seen an uptick of biotin supplementation uh, due to COVID hair loss. I haven't seen it work, um, but a lot of people are on biotin to avoid hair loss, either by if they've gotten COVID or they're worried that if they get it, they're going to lose their hair. So they take biotin. And there's like a huge upflux of, of people taking this. And so without a doubt, stop taking biotin. Another big thing that I think a lot of people don't realize, and I definitely didn't before studying blood chemistry, is that the sodium potassium pump is so incredibly important. This is basically how all nutrients go into and out of cells. Without having proper amounts of sodium potassium in your body, you're going to have massive dehydration patterns throughout your all your labs, like almost many, many, many of them are going to be off because your blood will be more concentrated and it will just throw all the markers off. One of the biggest ones being albumin. So make sure that like at least two days before, ideally five days before, you're having water with electrolytes and really, really hydrating. I don't know if you've ever gone into the lab and you put out your arm and you're like, okay, I'm ready. 
And then they're like, you're so dehydrated. I can't pull your blood. This is not going to work. I've actually had quite a few clients tell me this. And so it's so, 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 so important that you hydrate well before the labs, not only so the blood is easier to take out, but so that the patterns are super accurate. So I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. And it was a good introduction to just understanding. Like, I remember when I first heard of this of like, wait, Blood labs can actually tell us more stuff than just you have diabetes or scary things that we don't want to hear. It can tell us so, so much. So next episode, we'll go through some more markers. I'll share some more patterns and I'm excited to keep sharing this with y'all. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me, healthfulpursuit.com slash contact. And if you're looking at your labs right now and you're like, yeah, I don't even understand this. There's so much going on. This is so much. Uh, You can reach out to me. Just go to healthfulpursuit.com and go to the shop scroll down to the bottom and you'll see the coaching and read up on that. See if it's something that you're interested in. If not, I will see you back here for episode 360, where we'll go through more markers and ideas that I have uh, in the moment. None of this is scripted. So we'll just see where it takes us. Uh, So again, mark your calendar for episode 360. That'll be coming out February 15th. And I will see you next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. Sorted.